welcome to the first episode of The Investigation Game. I'm Leah Wheatholter. And I'm Tim. I'm the owner of Workman Forensics in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And today, and the whole purpose of this podcast, is to share with investigators, whether you're an attorney, accountant, um, private investigator, or even just someone who just loves a good murder mystery. <laughs> who done uh, it? Who done it, yeah. Just about investigations. But today, I want to tell you about the coolest project I think I've ever worked on in my life. And it is where, over the last year, my team and I have worked on taking one of my actual cases and turning it into a game that then qualifies for continuing education. And even better, the two hours ethics requirement that we all know and love. Not really. (laughs) So, yeah, so I'm excited to talk about this. I am too. Where did you get the idea? Um, yeah, so this idea hit me actually about five years ago. And, and you just now get into it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was working a few cases between now and then. That's fair. And I had this idea about kind of putting together a murder mystery dinner type game, but instead it would be fraud cases. But that just seemed that just seemed overwhelming. You know, <laughs> actors and dinner and lots of things I'm not familiar with. That's completely fair. So then it just kind of rolling around in the back of my head a little bit. And then uh, Christmas of 2017, we had a game night for the Workman Forensics team at my house. And I hired a guy to come and host the games that we were playing. And in talking to him, we discovered that he could probably build like the foundation of a strategy game. And he actually left for me the unlocked escape games, the card games, where it's like an escape room, but you can just play with a few people at home with this card. And as soon as he showed that to me, I thought, this is how we can turn one of my cases into a game. So he designed the kind of how the gameplay works. And then one of my data analysts and I put together the outline and just made sure it was factually accurate and narrowed down the actual case to a lot where people can play it in a reasonable amount of time. Seems like there might be a lot of information in the case. Oh, yes. Especially (laughs) this one. Yeah. So we, let's see, it was right out a year ago. We beta tested with an internal auditors group here in Tulsa and just continued to beta test it and improve it. Did they like it? They loved it. Yeah. We got great feedback and we tested it on all types of different demographics and groups, all different ages. And so this last week, you and I actually went to ORU and had a group of students, faculty and professionals play. And it was just a lot of fun. And there was so much just like great energy in the room. And it was so cool for me to see like this idea come to life. It's and always, especially with 60 to 70 people. I mean, it was amazing. It's always a really good feeling whenever yeah. the spark of an idea becomes a reality. Absolutely. And it doesn't happen enough, often enough. No, but I mean, I might get hooked on it. Yeah, so this this case is based on, we, we call it the case of the man cave. I mean, I don't really want to give away too much, but basically it's about a guy that stole a bunch of money from his employer and he really liked being the man's man and having fun things for his friends to come over and do and hang he out. Liked and his toys. He liked his toys. And if you're going to have that many toys, then you probably should have a metal building to put your toys in too. So. Yeah. That's when he created his man cave, and thus the the case of the man the cave ca- was born. The title stuck. I feel like in an industry like this, there's not a lot of innovation in uh, most of it. I mean, it's numbers, it's facts and data that doesn't change very often. And so it's really cool to see someone, you know, trying to shift that paradigm. Yeah, I'm excited. I like the mashing of two worlds that I love: just strategy games, tabletop games, getting matched with what I do every day, day in, day out. 
I think one of the coolest feedback, um, like survey responses that we received in beta testing was it was great to sit through a presentation and then have to go apply that information to something that you actually could fail because we do hand out points and, you know, award-winning teams. And so there's this winning and losing and success or failure feeling. And it just, I think, I mean, I'm biased, but I think that it drills home the point of how to use the investigative process. Yeah, and I've played the game once, and I think that's definitely, it feels that way. Um, I've played a lot of games, and I definitely get that from it. That's good. Yeah, Yeah. actually. So the reason Tim is here is that he works as our client services representative, but also he has an extensive background in tabletop and strategy games. And so do you want to tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, Sure. Uh, My brother and I actually operate an online business, teamcovenant.com. Uh, where we sell and write articles and do podcasts for tabletop games. We've been open for 12 years now, so we've been doing that for a long time. I've played a lot of games. Since you were seven. Since I was seven. That's when I started (laughs) playing the uh, Pokemon TCG with my brother Zach. Yep. Too many hours. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but it makes you great at um, what you do and helping us, for sure. Definitely have gotten better at it over the years. Games have always been a passion of mine. It's been a central part of who I am as a person. Friend groups were formed around them, relationships. That's how we met. It is how we met. Playing Star Wars <laughs> Destiny at Covenant. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's 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 the long and short of it. So with your experience of seeing lots of different games, that's probably even an understatement, but after seeing lots of games, how did you feel that the investigation game um, held up as far as gameplay and mechanisms? So and- it actually surprised me. I actually told Zach about it. <laughs> yes. And uh, it has a lot of mechanics I've seen in other other games, mm-hmm. uh, but it meshes them together a little bit differently than I've seen before. But it definitely it seemed like the kind of thing where I would play it and I would feel like, oh, it's a game in the simplest of terms. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about learning about ethics. How fun can it be? But it really was a ton of fun, challenging. No one's gotten the correct answer yet, which is no awesome to me. It makes I me want to play so it again. Cool. And, yeah. Like, but yeah, I mean, I think it's really fun, really well done, um, and I'm excited to see more people play it. I know, me too. Yeah, that's exciting. Because as I was as I was describing this to people over the last year, I felt like I kind of had to create this distinction, but I didn't have the right words, so I just kept saying, "I promise, it's not a chore chart game." Mm-hmm. Like I would make games for my sisters and I to do chores while my parents were on, yeah. you know, out of the house or whatever, and we got to <clears> get all these chores done. But th- this is like it's like a real game. That's yeah, a real it's, game. It is 100 percent a real game. But it's, you know, educational too. So, like, mm-hmm. it, I definitely see how it could be beneficial. I know my wife has to do a lot of continuing professional education, and she always loathes it. I have to go do this thing on Saturday that I don't want to do at all, but I can only imagine if you actually wanted to go to those things. Not mm-hmm. only are they going to be more likely to complete them and learn what you're talking about, but it's just going to help the industry overall. Yeah. And, you know, as we've been calling different continuing education providers, like non nonprofit providers, they actually were talking about, one of the first people we talked to um, told her about the presentation and the game. And she said, oh my goodness, I've been going to all these trainings talking about how we can make CPE better. The people who put on CPE are being told by people who train CPE people that they need to gamify parts of their is gamify a word? Yeah. Okay. Like to gamify um, or to have gamification within their presentations. And mm-hmm. she said, but, you know, it was more like 
you take something and you apply it to a situation. And she said, but you guys, you have actually, like, this is the true sense of that word. And so she was really pumped. So I think one of the struggles whenever we go do a CPE is that you do have people in the room who are comfortable with games. Maybe they've never played a tabletop or strategy game, Mm -hmm. but they're, like, comfortable with games and they like group games. But then you've got people who they just do not like games. (laughs) And I'm thinking of one group in general Oh, they they were not excited about playing this in the beta testing. And no one had even given them a heads up that they were going to be playing a game. The game happens in four phases. And by the third, fourth phase, the people who said they weren't going to play were joining in and telling everybody else at the table how to play. But maybe we should talk about how the presentation and games actually set up. Yeah, yeah. So there's a 10-minute presentation at the beginning that goes over the investigative process and particularly focusing on objectivity um, as it relates to ethics as a professional. And that by using best evidence and the investigative process, it helps professionals stay kind of hopefully out of the gray and Mm -hmm. can just be more objective in their opinions and research and has to be one of the hardest parts of the the job, I feel like, is remaining objective. Right, to not get sucked into the drama and Mm -hmm. to remain objective. These numbers don't lie. Let's figure out the truth. Right. Exactly. And so this presentation's provided, and then there's also kind of just tips and tricks along the way that are, um, I think they're kind of blatant, but I guess they're a little hidden too, uh, that'll give tips about how to, how to make decisions within the game. Then there's a few minutes of game instruction, just how is this game going to work. But the game itself is made up of cards and online resources Oh, yeah. Item cards, face cards, and then there's a little online component. Mm-hmm. And so then the individuals play or the attendees play the games in groups of four to five. So it's also another bonus. It's team building. And then at the end, there's about a 15 minute wrap up where we hand out points and we give the right solution. And then we also talk about the real case. No names, of course. Then we actually talk about how that translated and if the person was prosecuted and if it was successful. So you worked this case personally, right? Yes, this was one of my cases. Okay, that's fascinating. Yeah, it was real fun. I feel like you've worked a lot of fun cases. I have. I was counting the other day, I think, it's definitely over 150 cases, if not 200 cases, in my 15-year career. And that might even be low. Only 10 cases a year? That, that's not possible. Anyway, <laughs> I've worked a lot of cases. Math. That was a <laughs> Right, right. Um, well, that's awesome. I am truly looking forward to the future of this game and more games. And other games. I have so many ideas. Um, although I suspect that you're going to have more ideas too. The we'll more cases you hear about. And just being able to mesh those two ideas, I just think it's super exciting. Um, so thanks for listening and we hope you'll join us for our next episode. And yeah, thanks Tim for being here. You're very welcome. Have a great day. Have a great day.